Section 113 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 144. London, May 23rd, Old Style, 1751. My dear friend, I have this moment received your letter of the 25th, New Style, and being rather something more attentive to my commissions than you are to yours, return you this immediate answer to the question you asked me about the two pictures. I will not give one livre more than what I told you in my last, having no sort of occasion for them, and not knowing very well where to put them if I had them. I wait with impatience for your final orders about the mohairs, the mercer persecuting me every day for three pieces which I thought pretty, and which I have kept by me eventually, to secure them in case your ladies should pitch upon them. If I durst, what should hinder you from daring? One always dares if there are hopes of success, and even if there are none, one is no loser by daring. A man of fashion knows how and when to dare. He begins his approaches by distant attacks, by assiduities, and by attentions. If he is not immediately and totally repulsed, he continues to advance. After certain steps, success is infallible, and none but very silly fellows can then either doubt or not attempt it. Is it the respectable character of Madame de la Valliere which prevents your daring, or are you intimidated at the fierce virtue of Madame Dupin? Does the invincible modesty of the handsome Madame Case discourage more than her beauty invites you? Fie, for shame, be convinced that the most virtuous woman, far from being offended at a declaration of love, is flattered by it, if it is made in a polite and agreeable manner. It is possible that she may not be propitious to your vows, that is to say, if she has a liking or a passion for another person. But at all events she will not be displeased with you for it, so that, as there is no danger, this cannot even be called daring. But if she attends, if she listens, and allows you to repeat your declaration, be persuaded that if you do not dare all the rest, she will laugh at you. I advise you to begin rather by Madame Dupin, who has still more than beauty enough for such a youngster as you. She has, besides, knowledge of the world, sense, and delicacy. As she is not so extremely young, the choice of her lovers cannot be entirely at her option. I promise you she will not refuse the tender of your most humble services. Distinguish her, then, by attentions and by tender looks. Take favorable opportunities of whispering that you wish esteem and friendship were the only motives of your regard for her, but that it derives from sentiments of a much more tender nature, that you made not this declaration without pain, but that the concealing your passion was a still greater torment. I am sensible that, in saying this for the first time, you will look silly, abashed, and even express yourself very ill. So much the better, for instead of attributing your confusion to the little usage you have of the world— particularly in these sorts of subjects, she will think that excess of love is the occasion of it. In such a case the lover's best friend is self-love. Do not then be afraid, behave gallantly. Speak well, and you will be heard. If you are not listened to the first time, try a second, a third, and a fourth. If the place is not already taken, depend upon it, it may be conquered. I am very glad you are going to Orly, and from thence to St. Cloud, go to both and to Versailles also, often. It is that interior domestic familiarity with people of fashion that alone can give you l'usage du monde et les manières essai. It is only with women one loves, or men one respects, that the desire of pleasing exerts itself, and without the desire of pleasing no man living can please. 
let that desire be the spring of all your words and actions. That happy talent, the art of pleasing which so few do, though almost all might possess, is worth all your learning and knowledge put together. The latter can never raise you high without the former, but the former may carry you, as it has carried thousands, a great way without the latter. I am glad that you dance so well, as to be reckoned by Marcel among his best scholars. Go on and dance better still. Dancing well is pleasing pro tanto, and makes a part of that necessary whole, which is composed of a thousand parts, many of them of les infiniments petits croix qu'infiniment nécessaires. I shall never have done upon this subject which is indispensably necessary toward your making any figure or fortune in the world, both which I have set my heart upon, and for both which you now absolutely want no one thing but the art of pleasing. And I must not conceal from you that you have still a good way to go before you arrive at it. You still want a thousand of those little attentions that imply a desire of pleasing. You want a douceur of air and expression that engages. You want an elegance and delicacy of expression, necessary to adorn the best sense and most solid matter. In short, you still want a great deal of the brillant and the poli. Get them at any rate. Sacrifice hecticombs of books to them. Seek for them in company, and renounce your closet till you have got them. I never received the letter you refer to, if ever you wrote it. Adieu, et bonsoir, monseigneur. End of section 113. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.